0: This bonus episode of Hitting Play is brought to you by Smart Alex Insult School for Kids.
1: You do the head. Best way to start your day is by hitting play.
0: Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, your co-host and moderator. Lily and Sean will not be joining us for this episode, but instead joining me from the hills and valleys of Pennsylvania, live on the Hitting Play Hotline, is my good friend and Star Wars expert, Paul.
2: Hey, Scott. How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Doing good. Thanks for doing this with us. Now, Sean and I had just finished an episode in which we discussed the first trailer for Star Wars Episode VII, The Force Awakens, But on April 16th, 2015, J.J. Abrams surprised everybody by releasing a second trailer early. So what we're going to do as a follow-up to our previous Star Wars trailer episode is go over this new trailer and see what new information we're given and perhaps speculate on what we can expect this December. Sounds like fun. Now, the previous trailer that we received a few months ago, you can pretty much break that up into eight separate scenes. Now, this trailer... Man, they give us so much to work with. This, I broke it up into about twenty-five separate parts. It's it's so dense and full of information. So let's uh, let's break this down. Let's get right into it. We start here with a Lucasfilms Limited logo. We didn't get this last time.
2: Yep, a uh, logo that we're very familiar with. Of course, uh, no more twentieth uh, century Fox to begin the movies with. So that'll be different when we hit the big screen. Get, still get to see this familiar so logo.
0: Yeah. Now we start with a really beautiful scene. It's a, a distant shot of a speeder of some kind, and it's traveling across this landscape. Now, we had previously assumed that this was Tatooine, but lately a lot of information has come out about the character Rey and how she's from uh Juka. J-U-K-K-A, and it's uh I believe it's a moon, and that may very well be the landscape that we're seeing here. In the foreground, we see old wreckage of what looks like an X-Wing. And in the background, we see the wreckage of a huge Star Destroyer. And it's uh, buried nose-first into the dunes. It's a really beautiful shot.
2: Yeah, I like this a lot. Um, I was going into this thinking that all these desert scenes were on Tatooine, the planet we all know very well from the original movies. But uh, I'm happy that this is a new world moon planet whatever the star wars universe does contain hundreds if not thousands of livable bodies celestial bodies and uh it's nice to uh, not be typecast into the same uh, section of the universe or galaxy but to see other parts of it for a change
0: yeah we certainly got enough Tatooine in the prequels
2: <laughs> um but yeah the Upon looking closely at these spaceships, it seems like whatever battle uh, they were involved with probably happened uh, years prior to the movie, I don't think we're actually going to see that Star Destroyer crash. The look of it is very neat, though, uh, very different from anything we've seen before. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Force Unleashed video game uh, in which you play as a Star Killer, and he has the strength of the force to actually rip a Star Destroyer out of the sky, and it comes crashing down in front of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked that uh, part of the game, and that that was also in the trailer for the game, and that's kind of what I thought of when I saw this.
0: Yeah, and you know, when I saw it too, it reminded me of, you know, you see uh, pictures of uh, aircraft from World War II that had crashed into these Pacific atolls and lagoons, And just because the decades have passed, it doesn't really mean that these metal structures are going to disappear, you know. They they do look old and weathered and corroded to some point, but it reminded me of that. It's it's showing us that a huge battle definitely took place long ago, and the landscape is still scarred uh, as a result. Now at this point, we cut to black, and we get a very familiar Mark Hamill voiceover, and it begins with the line, The Force is strong in my family.
2: Yes, uh, Star Wars fans will notice this uh, this line from Return of the Jedi and the ensuing lines. Uh, it comes from the conversation Luke had with Leia in the Ewok village before he leaves to face Vader the final time. And when he's revealing to her uh, that they are related and that Darth Vader is her father, it's not... A line from the new movie, but it's probably just uh, rehashing the the lines from Return of the Jedi.
0: Yeah, we'll get a lot of good reminders of the the original trilogy in this trailer. Uh, The next scene we have is the remains of Darth Vader's helmet. And we subtly hear his breathing in the sound mix. But the the helmet's all, like, um, melted. It's warped.
2: Yeah, the first uh, few times I watched the trailer... I found myself thinking, how was Vader's helmet recovered? Um, I remember, of course, as we all do, Luke removing the mask on the Death Star to uh, look upon his father's face for the first time. And I was thinking that the mask was left on the Death Star, was badly destroyed or uh, warped, as we see it, by the explosion of the Death Star and that it would have been recovered from space. But then I remembered when Luke burns his father's body on Endor, the mask is on him.
0: Yeah, and I totally forgot about that too.
2: Yeah, so that is why it's in the condition we see it in now, because it was in a fire. And uh, it raises the question, who's in possession of Darth Vader's helmet here? I can think of only two reasonable things. Uh, One would be his family, either Luke, probably Luke, or Leia, just as a reminder of, you know, where the dark side can lead. Or perhaps it was uh, taken by the new Sith enemy, and uh, he is using it as a remembrance or as um, maybe... I don't know, just, you know, looking up to Vader as a fellow Sith and uh, wanting to follow in
0: his footsteps. I hate to reference uh, the prequel trilogy, but I remember in Palpatine's, I don't know, Coruscant office, I guess you could call it, he did have some Sith artifacts, so they are a sentimental sort, I I guess. Yeah. But uh, I have, even though Sean couldn't join us uh, tonight, I do have his notes that he passed along to me. And yeah, about this scene, he asked, who's the creep that took it from Endor? So again, yeah, somebody, somebody nabbed it.
2: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see who's in possession of that. I don't think it will be Leia. Of course, they're not necessarily following the books and the expanded universe that some of us are used to after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But in those, uh, Leia had a really hard time uh, accepting uh, that Vader was her father, and uh, so because of that, I really don't expect her to be the one to hang on to something like that. I think it would more be Luke uh, to kind of try to keep himself in check as his powers grow, to never uh, never let it get out of control, or that Sith figure um, looking up to Vader and what he did.
0: Yeah. So now we fade to black, and again, we get the voiceover as it continues. My father has it. And again, the present tense has leads us to believe that this was an earlier statement. That and the fact that Mark Hamill sounds pretty youthful. I mean, he still is a very talented voiceover artist, but we tend to believe that this was the young Luke Skywalker talking, as he said. Yes, I definitely think so. Yeah. We next get a dark, barren, craggy landscape, and we see an orange glow coming from the left side of the screen, along with, like, burning embers. In the center of the frame is R2-D2, along with a black-cloaked person kneeling at his side. And this person raises their arm, places their right hand on top of R2-D2's dome, I guess you could say. And we see that this person's right hand is metallic and mechanical.
2: Yeah, you know, it stands to reason uh, that this is Luke. Um, The fact that he's with R2, that he has a mechanical right hand. Uh, Definitely, obviously, different looking from what we're used to. Um, The the hand he received at the end of Episode 5 and that we saw in Episode 6 that was flesh-covered and very realistic-looking that was damaged somewhat in the battle on Jabba's barge. I definitely think this is Luke. Um, He's wearing a black cloak which uh, he did in Return of the Jedi, but he's wearing a light color under that. So that suggests to me he is still good. Typically in Star Wars, bad guys, Sith will wear all black, Darth Maul, uh, Darth Vader. So I don't think Luke's turned to the dark side, but we will see. Also, we will see in the trailer uh, other scenes that kind of look Like this, that are dark with fires and embers, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if this is in the same location as those shots.
0: Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. And again, going back to you're talking about his hand, it's reasonable to assume that the hand technology maybe has gotten a little better. We saw again in the prequel trilogy, Anakin's hand when he got it uh, replaced. It was almost like Johnny Number Five's hand from Short Circuit. Then we got the more realistic hand and, you know, who knows what this this new hand is as a replacement. But, yeah, reasonable to assume that it's Luke. I was concerned that maybe this movie has a storyline about Luke going to the dark side and having to be brought back. But, like you said, the white sleeve is kind of an indicator that maybe that it's at least not in this scene that uh, that has taken place. Yeah. The voiceover then continues. I have it. So that's kind of indicating to us, the viewer... Him saying, I, at the time that we see this scene, leads us to believe, yes, this is most likely Luke Skywalker. We fade to black. We next get the voiceover continuing with, my sister has it. And we see a, a small creature. I, I think this is an alien. I don't think this is a child. And they're handing a lightsaber to a woman. And her face is out of frame. But th- this looks like a, a lady grabbing this lightsaber from this creature.
2: Yep, uh stands to reason that this is Leia with, with the voiceover saying my sister has it. Uh, one or the other an alien or a, a child handing that lightsaber over the hand is very small of that individual um, and it does look a little off if you uh, look at it frame by frame it looks a little different from a regular hand yeah. uh, there, there's a ring on the index finger, and it's wearing bracelets too, so if it is human, I would say it might be a female, but, um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Now, uh, did you notice anything interesting about that lightsaber hilt, Scott?
0: It, it looked familiar. Uh, I'll put it to you that way. I'm not as well-versed in the Star Wars universe, especially that detail as you, but it did look familiar. It didn't look like something new.
2: Yeah, um, as far as I know, every lightsaber hilt is different. Uh, Jedi and Sith create their own lightsaber. It's a part of their training um, to do so. And uh, this lightsaber is... Uh, the hilt is identical to the one that Obi-Wan took from Anakin after he defeated him at the end of Episode 3. Okay. That being the same lightsaber that in Episode 4 he gave to Luke and Luke used to fight Vader in Cloud City and lost when his hand was chopped off. Okay. So, um, you know, in the again in the expanded universe in the books and the comics, um that hand still grasping that lightsaber was retri- retrieved from the surface of the planet Bespin and it was delivered to the Emperor as a prize. Of course in, in later books the the hand was used to clone Luke and uh create a Dark Jedi clone of Luke Skywalker. I'm uh, really hoping they don't go that route in <laughs> the new movies. Yeah. I've had enough clones in Star Wars.
0: Yes, please. Enough. Um <laughs> so uh, there's
2: plenty of uh unique individuals in the in the universe to uh to tell their stories. But, yes, this definitely, in my mind, is that same lightsaber. So how they came upon it, you know, why it's being handed to, we assume, Leia here. Uh, Is is Leia a Jedi now? Can she wield a lightsaber? Uh, Did Luke get it back and start using it again? Uh, It'll be interesting to see what the story of this is.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that was Sean's uh, guess, too, is that this was Anakin's lightsaber that was lost in, in Cloud City. We then get a fade to black with the voiceover continuing, you have that power, too.
2: Yeah, um, when I first heard that, I I didn't recall that being part of the dialogue in Jedi between the two of them. It is, it's just later on. Leia says that Luke has a power that she can't understand, she could never have. And Luke said, you're wrong. You have that power, too. Okay. Um, and, and in time, you'll learn to use it like I have. So, um, again, this is a line from Jedi. Who is it referring to? You know, is it referring to Leia? Is it referring to another Jedi we're going to learn about in Episode Seven? Um, we all have kind of assumed that uh, uh, with Mark Hamill being up in age and... Uh, these movies kind of being uh, passing of the torch from the characters we all know and love to the new ones that he has taken the Obi-Wan role of uh, being the master. Mm -hmm. And every master needs an apprentice. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who else is wielding blue or green lightsabers in episode seven.
0: Yeah. And again, this... Line We're assuming it refers to Leia, but again, this could be used in a double meaning. This could be, like you said, Luke Skywalker giving the same speech that he gave to Leia to another young lady that has Force powers. Again, could this be Rey? We'll we'll just have to find out. We next get the words, This Christmas. Now, I was under the assumption December 18th. They could just mean Christmas season. I don't know. The thing is, I, I've waited so long for this movie, I, a few more days doesn't make any difference to me personally. But I just thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, that kind of caught my eye too. No more date in this trailer. Saying this Christmas, uh, you know, it, there's a week between the 18th and 25th. So I'm not going to uh, fret over it. I'll just have to uh, change my alert on my iPhone calendar. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know I don't see why they would push it back a week, considering Abrams was talking about moving it forward, worrying about uh, too many secrets being leaked. So I think they're just kind of being general and letting people know in late December, uh, over the holidays, uh, they they can look forward to going to the theater and watching this. Yeah.
0: Our next scene is a fleet of X-Wings flying across a body of water against a blue sky with mountains and... Looks like lush, green foliage in the background.
2: Yeah, uh, another beautiful shot. Um, It's almost like the camera is right on the surface of the water, and uh, the X-Wings are flying overhead. Uh, Very similar to the one shot we had in the first teaser trailer of the X-Wings skimming over the surface of the water. Yeah. I definitely think the two are probably linked somehow. I uh, question where this is taking place. Uh, as far as planets we're familiar with, it kind of reminds me of possibly Endor or the moon of Yavin, mm-hmm. where the rebel base was in A New Hope. But uh, going with it not being Tatooine, uh, this is probably a- another new world to us. And uh, I think either some sort of dogfight battle is taking place, or perhaps their, uh, Rogue Squadron is just out on maneuvers, just doing some training.
0: Yeah. It it seems like the same planet as the one that we saw in the original trailer, although here we get more of a blue sky, and in the first trailer we have more of a cloudy day. So it could be same planet, just two different times. But uh, again, we'll have to see. Uh, Sean also wanted to bring out that these new X-Wings, they're model number T-70.
2: Okay, I believe, uh, He said the ones we all know are T-65s. So I guess they've uh, come out with five new models in the
0: last 30 years. They work fast. (laughs) (laughs) We next get a scene of Poe Dameron, the character portrayed by Oscar Isaac, and he's in his X-Wing cockpit, and he's exclaiming like, Yahoo! Something similar to that. So something good happened, I guess we could assume.
2: Yeah, and again... uh, You know, it's linking this shot with the one prior to it. We see blue sky around him, and uh, I think you see some green as well. So I think the uh, two shots are linked. Uh, Again, we saw him in the first trailer, Uh, but in the first trailer, he looked more tense. So uh, perhaps that was uh, mid-battle, going into a battle if there was one, Mm -hmm. whereas now it seems like uh, there's some relief something good happened that ex- exclaiming his uh, delight of such a thing. I know it reminded you and me of, uh, of Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, when when he celebrated the destruction of the first, first Death Star. So, a new uh, hotshot pilot for us to uh, get to know in this movie.
0: Yeah, that's what he's being billed as. Of course, we didn't get much of it in the first trailer where He's a uh, just a very tense pilot. No dialogue, just a straight face. Here we get more of a happier person, more jovial, not afraid to show his emotions, and again, suppo- supposedly a great pilot. We next get a very dark, quick scene where the character Kylo Ren—he's the Sith character—and I'm going to guess he's the main antagonist. And he swipes his lightsaber across the screen. This is very quick.
2: Yeah. Um, don't have. Too much to say yet about this because in a couple more scenes we get to see this character again a little bit longer and seems like in the same environment. But I'll just mention that this uh, seems to be the character we saw from the rear in the first trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the red lightsaber with the the small cross hilts coming out of the hilt. Yep. Yeah, he's uh, just swiping the lightsaber down toward
0: the camera really quick and Sean had some issues in the our last episode about the look the effect of this red lightsaber in his notes for this trailer he said that it actually looks really cool and the lightsaber looks better so maybe they did hear some fan feedback on that I was under the impression that maybe the snow was falling on it and that's why you kind of get that little flare effect but either way yeah very beautiful shot we next get a scene of Rey, this is Daisy Ridley's character, Finn, who is John Boyega's character, and the little droid BB-8, and they're fleeing an explosion in this fenced-in area, and again, this might be that that new moon or planet Juka, and the, you see TIE fighters kind of off in the in the distance. This is like a fenced-in area where we saw engines and things like that in the first trailer?
2: Yeah, I uh, definitely think we're looking at the same area there same area where we saw BB-8 in the first trailer rolling along uh, with some engines and possibly pod racers behind them. Uh, Seems like a bit of a junkyard uh, area. They are fleeing. Uh, There's an explosion behind them and if you look, there is a TIE fighter flying down from the left side of the screen that is causing those explosions. So these three individuals are being hunted by uh, whatever uh, the Empire is being called at
0: this time. Yeah, Sean had this in his notes, it seems as though the the Empire as we know them are being known as the First Order, okay. and that the Rebel Alliance is now called the Resistance, and this is from a couple of exhibits that were uh, shown. There was one that had the Stormtrooper costume, and another that had a model of the X-Wing fighter. And, yeah, it was strange that the the Stormtroopers were known as the First Order and the X-Wings were known as the Resistance. You would kind of think that those terms might be switched around a little bit, but, I don't know, this might just be for that particular exhibition. Again, we'll have to see what everybody's kind of called now that 30 years have passed.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've been going with the New Republic because that's what I'm used to from the the books. But, uh, again, they've set all the the books that are after Return of the Jedi are no longer canonical. They're, they're starting fresh with these movies, so we'll see what, uh, what the state is as far as the two, the two factions, what they're called, and what their roles are 30 years later.
0: Yep. Again, I, I never read those books.
2: Well, I, I think uh, the books that happen between the movies are still, uh, some of them are still okay. I'm glad. uh, I'm pretty sure my Shadows of the Empire between uh, 5 and 6 is good. And the Han Solo trilogy is is definitely highly recommended. If you want to learn about uh, Han Solo, it takes you right up to when he meets Luke and Obi-Wan in the cantina. And uh, gives you a great background of him, how he met Chewbacca, and really good books.
0: We next get a scene where a character in a black cloak... And with a face obscured by a metallic mask pops up into frame and he's wielding a red lightsaber and this individual is holding forward their right hand and this is you know a gesture we're very familiar with being used in connection with force powers in the background we see there's stormtroopers and again they're in this dark fiery landscape probably that same area where we saw Luke Skywalker a couple scenes ago
2: yeah so this is the new Enemy, you said his name is Kylo Ren. Yeah, he's throwing his hand out. It uh, signifies to me that he's uh, doing a force push on someone. This shot tells me that he is working along with the stormtroopers. Um, so, as we're accustomed to, they are both on the bad side, the Sith and the uh, the First Order. I think he said. Yeah. So. They are working together. It looks like it's nighttime. It looks like there's either lava or just fires burning in the background, and it seems like there's several people behind the stormtroopers that the stormtroopers are kind of collecting together. hmm So I'm not sure what that's about, if they're being captured to be killed, to be taken captive for one reason or another but I, I assume someone's trying to come to their rescue, and that's why he's uh, turning around and his attention is being directed elsewhere.
0: And uh, Sean mentioned that he liked the look of this mask. Yeah, something something a little different. We haven't seen a mask quite like this in the Star Wars universe.
2: Yeah, some fans have mentioned that. It kind of reminds them of Revan. that was uh, from a video game, Nights of the Old which happened, I believe, hundreds if not thousands of years before the movie. Oh, wow. So that's obviously not who we're dealing with here, but it is cool, another masked individual taking on the role of the Sith, and I I do like the look of it
0: a lot. Next we get a very beautiful shot. This is on a a Hoth-like planet. I'm going to assume it's it's Hoth. And a person in black is standing on a gigantic outdoor stage, under an equally large red banner. And it looks like a person is standing a little bit of a distance behind them, and on either side stand of a group of, I guess at least four others that are dressed similarly, along with some stormtroopers. And on the banner is a symbol that's very similar to the logo we're familiar with of the Empire, only now there's kind of more points within the circle, and it sits within a hexagon. And in the background on the snowy mountains, We see gun turrets, and in the foreground is an army of stormtroopers along with some TIE fighters. Really a a very dense shot, very beautifully done.
2: Yeah, this is probably uh, one of my favorite scenes uh, out of this trailer, if not my favorite. Just a lot of things to look at. I mean, it only lasts a second if you're watching it in real time. Yeah. But if if you uh, pause it and watch it frame by frame, there's a lot to get out of this. I was assuming it was Hoth too, but I was also assuming it was Tatooine. So it could be, or it could be another another planet in the Star Wars universe. It might be that same planet we saw Kylo Ren on in the first trailer when he was walking at night through the trees. Mm-hmm. snow. yep. I, I love the the colors in this the the whites and the blacks, the grays, and the and the bright red banner hanging there. There is definitely some sort of leader uh, standing on that podium addressing the troops. I I counted uh, upwards of 20 individuals standing to either side of him that seem to be dressed in dark, uh, either gray or black as well. Mm -hmm. uh, These are like commanders, generals in the First Order, if we're calling it that. I'm not sure. Also noticed two TIE fighters parked on the left we see that the TIE Fighters have a bit of a different look to them now, instead of all just different shades of gray, like we're used to. It uh, looks like the body is a little more black. And still, while the cockpit's still round, it's kind of got some angles to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And also the, the wings, the uh, I, I believe they're called panels, perhaps even solar panels, uh, they're white instead of uh, gray. So that's a cool new look to the TIE Fighters.
1: Yeah. There are two,
2: two pilots standing next to their spacecraft. And although we see mostly normal-looking stormtroopers, which we saw in the first trailer, if you look closely, some of the stormtroopers are wearing backpacks. Mm-hmm. And as they turn around, you see that their masks are different. They have a thin slit where the eyes are and uh, a lot less going on on the mask and this is probably the new look for the snow troopers um, if you remember the the different trooper that uh, came into Echo Base on Haas yep. Empire Strikes Back they had a thin thin eye slit They had their um, mask was more flexible uh, it wasn't rigid it came down, down to their chest and um, they also had uh, a bit of a, I don't know if you'd call it a sash or what, some loose hanging cloth around their belt, uh, hanging down to roughly their knees. And they did wear backpacks, probably uh, some sort of uh, survival gear for the cold temperatures. And so them being on a, a cold, snowy planet in this shot makes sense that if there are still snow troopers, we would see some here. And, We definitely do.
0: Yeah. And that makes perfect sense that they they would be, their armor would help them uh, survive whatever environment they happen to be on. That they would have a a thinner eyeline to help with the glare. They would have a backpack with supplies that they would need, like a tauntaun opener, if need be.
2: Yeah. Or something to (laughs) chop off a Wampa's arm.
0: (laughs) So again, yeah, very beautiful scene. We next get a very quick close-up of Ray's face. Not really much to say for that scene? Yeah, uh,
2: not really. Um, Looks like she's maybe got some sweat on her. Um, Something's happening in this scene, perhaps a tense moment. It's nice to see uh, this going along with when we saw the other character, Finn, in trailer one. Nice to see these actors getting dirty, getting sweaty, uh, just making the movies, as you had said before, grittier, more realistic. I'm so thankful that they're shooting a lot of these movies in real locations and yes. not all set in, in front of a green screen in air-conditioned studios. Yep. It just makes, makes it a lot more real. And uh, everything I've seen so far in these trailers uh, gives me that feeling that you know this looks real.
0: Our next scene, we see two Tie Fighters. are kind of swooping in from a, a blue sky.
2: Yeah. Again, not not too much to say about this. I noticed they fly over some smoke, and uh, it kind of reminded me of the two Tie Fighters we saw attacking the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. At the end of the first trailer. So, are these the same two Tie Fighters? Maybe, maybe not. But again, they do have a new look to them. A little leaker design, uh, different color scheme, but uh, pretty much the same craft that we've come to know so well.
0: We next get another very complex scene. There's an attack on what looks like an Empire base, and there's fires breaking out, TIE fighters are exploding, and, and stormtroopers are lifelessly flying through the air, and there seems to be off on kind of like the right side of the frame, a lone TIE fighter firing green lasers at the Empire ships and stormtroopers.
2: Yeah, this uh, scene was really cool. I believe that someone is in that flying TIE fighter that doesn't belong on that ship. Yeah, Someone possibly trying to escape, um, whether they're defecting, whether they were a spy, we'll find out. I really think uh, it could be the spin character, since we saw him in a stormtrooper armor and helmet. Uh, I think perhaps he could be at the controls of this TIE fighter, and he's just shooting at parked TIE fighters, shooting at stormtroopers, laying waste to the docking bay before he tries to flee. That's what I get from this image.
0: Yeah, was it kind of like outer space in the background? It was hard to tell.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that probably in the docking bay of a Star Destroyer-type vehicle, we see a Star Destroyer in the trailer a little bit later. So... And we see other uh, ships that are like the ones that we see in the background of this shot. So I think those two scenes are probably closely linked together and uh, I definitely think this is happening in
0: space. Yeah. We next see Finn again dressed as a stormtrooper and he's inside of uh, a darkened ship and we see him remove his helmet.
2: Yep. There's Finn again in the stormtrooper helmet and the uh, armor. I don't I think Finn is a stormtrooper. I personally feel like he's a good guy from the beginning. He's uh, either on a mission or had to hide some for some reason. I think it, it harkens back to A New Hope when Han and Luke took the stormtrooper armor to move about the Death Star freely. Yep. So I think that's what's going on here. If you pause and go frame by frame, you see his... Armor is dirty. There's like some, a few muddy streaks across his helmet. Yeah. As he takes it off. So I'm almost wondering if this shot possibly could be happening on that planet, Juka. Yeah. Perhaps that's where this is happening. Um, that he cr- escaped the Star Destroyer, crash landed on Juka, kind of got dirty in the process and uh is now taking off his armor and uh gonna change into the attire we saw him in earlier in the trailer when he was fleeing from the TIE fighter
0: yeah fin casual so next we see in space a small fleet of vessels they're flying towards what looks to be an active star destroyer and Sean brought out in his notes for us that this almost looks like what's known as the interdictor class of star destroyer, and I, I think that's from the expanded universe.
2: Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I know there are several classes of star destroyers. I'm I don't have them all memorized. Uh, I hope not. I, <laughs> I I do. I did collect the entire uh, series of the Star Wars customizable card game. The cipher created. In the uh, 90s, that would tell you the different classes of the ships. It's definitely not a Super Star Destroyer, which is the one that was uh, Vader's flagship, which was just insanely huge. Yeah. It was like you could put, I don't know, 15 or 20 Star Destroyers nose to back, and you'd have the length of that one. Yeah. But it's one of the smaller ones that we're used to seeing uh, going around base, uh, like the ones that attacked the Millennium Falcon, above Tatooine, above Hoth. those uh, more common ones that we've seen.
0: Yeah, and we see what looks to be like a, a shuttlecraft almost.
2: Yeah, um, so we see three different types of ships here. There's the Star Destroyer looking one, there is um, four, what I'm thinking are possibly uh, troop transports they kind of have that boxy look to them they're not uh, i don't think they're fighters like for dog fighting and stuff
1: yeah no. they
2: kind they kind of look more like uh they're just to move things or people around but they are surrounding a very new looking ship that is kind of shaped like a V with its wings kind of reminded me slightly of uh the shuttle that vader and the Emperor would move around on. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, that one had the wings going down, and then it had the fin, the huge fin on the top, the dorsal fin. This doesn't have any dorsal fin, and the wings are going up instead of down, so perhaps it's a a take on that, or just a completely unique vehicle. But I I imagine someone important is on that spacecraft, whether it's... uh, Kylo Ren, whether it's some other leader of the Empire or the First Order, but uh, the the fact that it's being flanked by four other um, starships, kind of protecting it, makes me think that someone important is, is on that one.
0: Yeah, maybe even somebody captured that they're trying to keep alive. We'll ha- we'll just have to see, I guess. Now we we next get an interesting scene. There's a reflective, armored stormtrooper wearing a black cape that's edged in red, and they're walking down a hallway in an area that's... It's reminiscent of the Death Star, anyway. Uh, they're carrying a weapon. It's definitely Empire-controlled. Uh, Sean had, in his notes, that is very cool-looking. When, when I first saw this, I thought, well, you know, the stormtroopers, or whatever troopers they are, they they have armor that kind of helps them adapt to their surroundings. So I thought, well, I wonder if this is just to reflect heat, because we did see what looked to be a volcanic planet earlier. But then I I thought, well, you know, if you're going to reflect heat, you probably shouldn't have a, uh, you know, like a cape dangling from you if you're going to be around fire. So we'll have to see exactly what this stormtrooper is.
2: Yeah, a very intriguing shot of uh, a different-looking stormtrooper. Pretty much, like, the helmet looks the same design, Uh, just the fact that he's black and reflective, like you said, the cape with uh, a red edging on it. I wonder if there's just one individual that wears this or if it's a whole squad of uh, of elite stormtroopers, mm-hmm. kind of like the, the red Imperial Guard that we saw in Return of the Jedi that would
0: get a very small scene. It's it's BB-8 as BB-8 kind of cautiously peers around a corner. What are your thoughts on this droid? same here
2: you know I, I hope all I hope is that with the droids they can offer some light-hearted moments and have their banter back and forth on occasion but I think it really needs to be balanced and controlled a little bit more than it was in the prequels I just kind of felt like in the prequels R2 and 3PO were kind of like the three stooges just uh, way too much humor over the top I also hope R2 goes back to the way he was in the original trilogy, and he's not squirting oil out (laughs) and firing up jetpacks to fly around and stuff. I think he's, I I hope he's a little more uh, realistic in uh, the things he can do and the gadgets he has.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no no more slapstick. Our next scene is back at that engine yard, that fenced-in engine yard, I guess you could call it, and Ray extends her hand to help up Finn, who's down on the ground.
2: Yeah, again, uh, a scene that I assume is uh, closely related to the other ones we've seen. In my mind, Finn crashes on this planet, comes in contact with Ray. She decides to help him, Whether uh, whether they knew each other before, I'm... I'm guessing not. I think this is, we're going to witness their first encounter. This might be after they were attacked. Perhaps the TIE fighters were destroyed somehow, or perhaps were drawn off by the Millennium Falcon, as we saw the Millennium Falcon also flying over a desert planet. Mm-hmm. One way or another, it kind of seems like the uh, the tension is gone, and he's a little hesitant to... To grab her hand uh, for help at first, it seems, but he does so uh, we'll see what happens here and uh, how these two meet and what their connection is and i'm I'm guessing it's probably going to be a uh, a relationship that carries on all the way through the the rest of the trilogy i think
0: yeah i I agree, and Sean seems to be under the impression that she's in the skywalker family we'll We'll have to find out later i guess
2: yeah i have uh, I have no thoughts on that um i I have read some of
0: scene, again on this desert planet we see the Millennium Falcon is being chased by a single TIE fighter around and through the wreckage of a Star Destroyer. Very beautiful shot and it gives you a a good sense of scale for this scene.
1: Yeah.
2: be more like um, the Star Destroyer looking ships that we saw in episodes 2 and 3 but uh, upon looking back at those the uh, configuration of the engine in the back was completely different so I think this is uh, definitely a Star Destroyer that uh, the Falcon is flying into. It reminds me a lot of Return of the Jedi when the Millennium Falcon flies into the second Death Star and uh has to maneuver through tight quarters to get to the core to blow it up um yeah that's one of one of my favorite scenes from return of the jedi and uh uh looks like a really cool shot here i especially like the camera effect where uh we're kind of far away from the the action and then as the the falcon flies into that engine the camera kind of zooms in on the action.
0: I, I really liked that effect. Yeah, it's almost like a steady cam effect. And I, I had seen that in other uh, Star Wars films. Well, I think in, in the prequel trilogy, I think even George Lucas used it to film spaceship action. I'm not sure if Abrams utilized it much, but yeah, it's it's very interesting. It almost reminds you of amateur footage. Somebody on the ground kind of like trying to capture it on their home camcorder. It definitely grounds it in a sense. It really makes it seem real to us. We also get a cut to the inside of the TIE Fighter, and we get a good look at what the TIE Fighter pilots look like now.
2: Yeah, uh, a little different look to the, uh, the TIE Fighters, um, the TIE Fighter pilots. The uh, original TIE Fighter pilot, the, the mask was pretty much identical to the Stormtrooper mask. Yeah. The main difference, of course, being that it was entirely black. And if you recall the way stormtroopers used to look, on either side of the chin of their mask, there would be these two little like nodules. Mm-hmm. A- and um, those those are gone now on the new stormtrooper masks. Well, for the TIE fighter pilots, um, those nodules would be attached to hoses, which were then going into a chest box. Okay. Um. Obviously, uh, some some type of uh, life support system for for them to be uh, able to breathe in space, even if they had to eject from their cockpit, which we uh, see very quickly in Empire Strikes Back when one of the uh, TIEs runs into an asteroid. But these TIE fighter pilots look a little different. There is red stripes on their black mask.
0: Yeah, Sean brought that out too. I didn't notice that.
2: At first, I thought it was a reflection, possibly of, of buttons or something in the cockpit. But as I looked closer, the mask was moving around and uh, the stripes were uh, as well. Uh, it didn't look like a reflection. It looked like there are definitely red stripes on it. And um, instead of just nodules that two hoses are attached to, the mask has kind of protrusions. On either side of the chin, mm-hmm. um, almost almost the way a uh, a gas mask kind of looks mm-hmm. with those two protrusions. And there's only one hose now that's going down to a life support system
1: instead of two.
0: Okay. So, yeah, you would imagine with the, the stormtroopers changing their look a little, you know, over the course of the years, same would happen with the TIE fighter pilots as well.
2: Yeah, it's a definitely new look. Um, A nice look, I I like the new look to all the uh, armor and helmets, Uh, nice sleek, but yet very familiar, very similar to what we're all used to, Uh, not changing things too much on us.
0: Yeah, and J.J. Abrams has done a very good job at that from what we've seen so far. So we next cut to black, and then this is the big moment. This is the moment that made headlines. It was on the front page of at least the USA Today and the New York Post that I saw. We hear the voiceover, Chewie, and then we fade in from black, and we hear, we're home. And we see Chewbacca and Han Solo, and they're standing at the center of the frame with their weapons drawn, and Chewbacca growls.
2: Yes, uh, very cool to finally see uh, main characters that we're used to. You know, we, we've seen in the trailer what we think is Luke, what we think is Leia. But uh, Abrams is not uh, revealing much to us yet. No. But uh, he has decided at this point it's time to show us Han and, uh, and his faithful Wookiee companion Chewbacca. I think Han looked about what I, what I expected he would look like. I, I saw uh, Ender's Game, which uh, Harrison Ford started not too long ago, yep. where he, it was kind of, you know, uh, he was in a military role. So I, I expected something similar, uh, and that's what we're seeing here now. Do you think this Chewbacca is uh, a real costume or CGI?
0: I have to believe that this is a real costume. J.J. Uh, Abrams has very much put out there that he was going to use practical effects as much as possible. I can't imagine he would then digitally... M- Edit, I guess the the face, of the costume of this character. Yeah, it, it it look he looks a little different, but uh, again, it, it looks like a costume to me. I had no reason to think otherwise.
2: Yeah, I really hope it is a costume. I I hated how much CGI was used in the prequels. It just looked like a cartoon. It looked like I was watching the Clone Wars cartoon on on Cartoon Network or something. <laughs> but uh, I really hope it is a costume. Uh, kind of look. Uh, I, I had watched the trailer initially on YouTube and was scanning through people's comments and others thought Chewbacca looked like he was CGI and not real.
0: Yeah, I, I looked that up because I had heard similar comments. And from what I've read, a Wookiee can live upwards of 400 years. And Chewbacca was already about 200 at the time of the Battle of Yavin. So, yeah, maybe he could have had some graying. Again, I don't want to co- count this as canon, but in the Star Wars Holiday Special, we see that Chewbacca's father, was it? I think it's his father, was... a. Uh, gray a little bit. So yeah, Wookiees, I guess, can get gray if you want to count that, which, you know, I don't know why you would, but yeah, it's reasonable to think he might have a little gray, but you know, that that didn't bother me as much.
2: Yeah, so, you know, you could say that uh, in human years, uh, he's hovering maybe around 60. So, uh, it's possible that um, he hasn't aged enough to get to that point, or perhaps he uh, just is a big fan of
0: just for Wookiees. <laughs> it looks so natural, no one can tell. <laughs> now, it's interesting, we get the line here, we're home. And What did you make yeah. of
2: that? Yeah, I uh, don't know. I initially thought they were maybe talking of the planet they were on. You know, I know that uh, Han Solo is Karelian, mm-hmm. so we've never seen the planet of Karelia before. I thought maybe that is what he's talking about but at the same time the home for wookiees is Kashiks so that wouldn't make too much sense they don't have the same home um but then someone pointed out to me that it looks like they are standing in uh, a quarter of the millennium falcon yeah so perhaps uh, that is their home um and perhaps uh it was somehow taken away from them. They lost it somehow. Maybe uh, Han Solo was uh, spending a little time at the Savick tables again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, maybe uh, they're getting the Falcon back by force, perhaps with uh, their. You don't see. I don't think you see a weapon in Han Solo's hand, but you see. Uh, Chewie holding his bowcaster.
0: Yeah, so. he he has a weapon too. I, l- I had a look again. It's kind of blurry because the nose of it is kind of like blurred out because it's facing us. But yeah, he has a weapon too.
2: Okay. So yeah, it um, uh, could, be, could be the Falcon that they're getting back or it uh, could be where, you know, the planet they're on, one or the other.
0: Yeah, I, I, Sean also brought that up about how, how could they have lost the Millennium Falcon, how they lose it which it's a very good question, but I like your idea that they're on the millennium Falcon and they're referring to that as home because you would think that the millennium Falcon is more of a home to them than any planet could ever be. So that was kind of a a nice moment. And you know, one that Sean mentioned, he got chills. I was almost in tears. It was awesome to see.
2: Yeah. It didn't, uh, didn't hit me that hard, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, it was definitely cool to see. And, uh, I look forward to seeing all the, the rest of the uh, old cast. You know, I, I hope we in the next trailer get get to see a glimpse of Leia's face or Luke uh, sporting that uh, Jedi Master like beard. Um, I, I look forward to uh, seeing more and more as the uh, months go on as we count down to uh, release day.
0: Yeah, and I've read that they've been working out consulting with, you know, dieticians and nutritionists and really trying to take care of themselves. And, you know, obviously they have the benefit of the makeup department. But Harrison Ford looked pretty good. He looks like he's holding up well. Yeah,
2: he did. And uh, you had mentioned to me, I couldn't believe it, that he's actually older um, than Alec Guinness was when he uh, filmed A New Hope as Obi-Wan Kenobi.
0: Yeah, hard to believe.
2: So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, looking good for 70s now, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, I've i seen images of, of Mark Hamill with the beard. Um, so I, I don't really have any concerns there. But, you know, uh, Princess Leia was a, a beautiful young woman the last time we saw her. And it'll be interesting to see if she is, is as regal as ever. Uh, that's what I hope.
0: Yeah, I think they'll do something interesting with her hair and uh, I expect her to have that same, that regal look and probably the presence that we got off of like Mon Mothma or some other uh, female that's in control of the, I guess, Rebel Alliance or whatever they're called now. So we end with the word Star Wars The Force Awakens. Again, we just get December and then we see in real 3D and IMAX 3D. So are you going to see it in 3D?
2: Probably going to see it in every format it comes out of. uh, When episode one came out, um, do you recall what year that was? I know it was.
0: 99, I believe.
2: Okay. So I was um, 16 at the time. I saw that five times in the theater. Oh, wow. Um, I was just so psyched that, you know, after so many years, there was finally a new Star Wars movie. And at the time, I, I thought it was really great. I questioned whether it was the best of all of them. I've come a long way from that idea now. Um, but uh, I will I will probably be seeing it uh, opening night, um, uh, first showing, probably at a local theater, um, and probably in 2D. I'm really not a huge fan of 3D. Yeah. Um, I. I Find that you know it makes some things blurry, and you know I've I've gone my whole life pretty much seeing things in 2D and enjoying them just fine. So um, I'm probably gonna go 2D opening night. Um, the closest IMAX theater to me is just under two
0: hours. Oh wow! Um,
2: it's in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is not far from Dunder Mifflin for you uh, Office fans. <laughs>
0: definitely be cool. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, uh, what you expect out of this trilogy, whatever you got for us, at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. You can always talk to us on Twitter, at Hitting Play, and we're also on Vine now. I don't know if we're going to do anything with that account, but we're there. And, uh, Paul, do you have anything you want to plug?
2: Not really. I do have a Twitter account. Um, I don't use it too often. Uh, pretty much the only thing you'll see on there is, uh, rants about when the Red Sox are doing poorly. Um, (laughs) you might see some stuff about Star Wars as we get closer and more things are released. But, uh, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, it's at Yeah,
1: why
0: don't you spell that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's, uh, Z-A-J-C-Z-E-W-S-K-I.
0: Alrighty. Well, I'm on Twitter as well. I'm at MC and Friends. I have a Vine account. I'm MC and Friends there as well. I do flip page animation. You can check my stuff out there. And also please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five star review. It helps us out. And if you do, we will give you a shout out on the show. We'll we'll try to be creative. Well, we have been Paul and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play, the special bonus edition. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.
1: And of be with you.